0: uh, last year about this time I recorded, uh, I guess what amounts to an address for really honest about it, um, regarding the question, should I be thankful? And as it turned out at that time, that was the most listened to episode of the podcast, uh, which, uh, you know, I'm a data guy that tells me that for whatever reason you are interested in. And what I'm thankful about, and I'm certainly interested in sharing that with you. Uh, this is not an attempt to be a knockoff of Oprah and her favorite things sort of stuff. Um, it's it's really just a you know an opportunity to to sort of take stock of the last year and and pull something positive out of it, uh, even though the things that are going on around us and in our lives aren't necessarily always positive. And and so I want to um what I'd like to do is I'd just like to express the things that I'm I'm thankful for and, and I hope that that you'll find some value in it, some things to think about, some things to find hope and positivity in, and and to give you a you know, to give you an opportunity to to kind of see through the fog, if you will, see through the smoke of of, of a lot of things that, that are negative that surround us and, and, and find the good in things. Because if, if you don't do that as we approach the holidays, at least here in the United States and most of what we would call the Western world, um, this is an important time for reflection. It's a time of, for many of us, heightened spirituality. And um, uh, hopefully, you find this, uh, hopefully you find this useful and resonates in, in some way. So the first thing I want to be thankful for, express my thanks for is, uh, is my family. Um, you know, it, it's, it's a cliche, but, but, you know, the things are cliches for a reason. And uh, my family has been very supportive of my career. They've been very supportive of my doing this podcast, um, which, which takes some time. They've been very supportive of the boundaries that I've had to set that in, in spite of the fact that I am at home, I'm not really at home. I'm not really available because I do have a job to do. And there are people who are counting on me to do it. And I'm grateful that the, all of them have cooperated in observing the coronavirus protocols that we have fa- as a family have agreed upon. And that has, I think in no small part resulted in the fact that knock on wood, mm-hmm. nobody in the immediate family, has uh, has contracted uh, coronavirus which which of course is a good thing particularly a good thing because uh only just recently did my youngest son become eligible for the vi- for the vaccine and uh we do have a person close to us that visits us quite frequently who if if he did contract the virus um it, it would be a, a a grave prognosis so yeah, i'm I, I am i am thankful for that Um, and i'm thankful for a family that has more or less stayed unified Uh, not just the immediate family but the extended family and you know in times like these um, uh, discussions such as race such as the vaccine science overall policy politics um, have divided families they have um, disrupted family bonds they have destroyed friendships and uh, I am thankful for the fact that, that we have largely been unscathed in that regard. Not that we are monolithic in our thinking. We are not. We have healthy debates all the time. And sometimes I learn something and gasp. I'll, I'll change my mind if I'm presented with a compelling argument and in particular compelling thoughts and, and data to support that argument. Uh, but you know, I am thankful for that. Um, and I'm, as an extension, I'm thankful for my health. Um, I'm thankful for the fact that th- that vaccines that protect us at least partially from coronavirus are now effectively available to anybody who wants them whenever they want them. I, I need to get my booster shot, and uh, I-, I will be doing that in uh, in the next few days. And I guess I'm one of the fortunate ones. I-, I don't tend to react to those, unlike my wife, who unfortunately is very sensitive to them. But, you know, she grits her teeth and she gets vaccinated anyway. Um, If you choose not to be vaccinated, I don't judge you for that. I don't judge anybody for that. There's really no point in judging you for that. I disagree with it. I may have a different personal risk profile than you, but it's your risk profile. And um, at the end of the day, we all have the power to take whatever protections we see appropriate, at least for the most part, to protect ourselves from the coronavirus and make our own decisions in terms of risk-reward. Um, And I I only encourage people to be vaccinated because uh, it does seem to be uh, does seem to be effective. At least the data—that's how I interpret the data that I see. And I would rather people not get sick and die rather than have people get sick and die. It's really, really as simple as that. Um, I'm thankful for SpaceX. Um, I'm, I'm thankful, in spite of the fact that I'm on record as saying, you know, I think Elon Musk is a is is both a, a a genius uh an inspired one of that and he's probably a little bit nuts um and maybe those two things go hand in hand but thanks to SpaceX you know there is there now exists a privately funded or privately derived i guess technically the government funds it but but it's privately operated uh crude spaceflight program and i think that's an important an extremely important step for Humanity, I, I think that the, the fact that we have not returned to the moon since the early 1970s is really a shame. I think it's something that has held American society back. I understand it, it was expensive to do that. I understand the re- the main reason for getting there was so that the Russians wouldn't um, or the Soviets wouldn't or at least get there before then. Um, but you know we, we do need to expand. We need the resources of of extraterrestrial bodies we need to understand what it takes to colonize other worlds and adapt to space flight. <clears throat> sorry, sorry, life in space and new generations in space. And um, you know, it's, it's such an extremely important step for all of human civilization, what SpaceX is doing, you know, and <clears throat> hopefully blue origin will, will follow. They're not there yet. They're, they're sort of doing the uh, go outside the atmosphere, fall back down and, and that's fine but it ain't what SpaceX is doing where they actually have crewed missions that achieve orbit and uh, ferry people to and from the space station. Um, and, and they do so in a way that is, uh, is economical. So I'm, I'm very thankful for that. I'm thankful for those who ask me for help. Um, you know, I, I serve in a volunteer capacity in a number of, in a number of ways. Um, I serve, uh, I've done office hours and get back to that, but you know there, there are companies that I coach informally that have decided that uh, probably against their better judgment but have decided that I can help them achieve whatever it is they want to achieve and I'm mainly thankful for the opportunity to serve to learn about new about businesses that I don't know a whole lot about um, and and to support people as they grow and that includes my staff and my own company that has entrusted their careers have entrusted their careers collectively to me and it's an awesome responsibility and honor um, uh, to do that i'm thankful for the fact we are having a very important discussion and a very i think listened to discussion about the changing relationship between labor and employers um I don't think the data suggests that people are leaving the workforce because of generous government benefits, <clears throat> though I remain open to being convinced, as I say very often, economics is a slow science. You know, It takes us a year to figure out if we're in a recession, another year to figure out if we're out of it. Um, that's just the way economics goes. It's getting better, but economics is a slow science, and, and maybe we won't really know the full effect of extended government benefits until Early next year, but the data right now that I see indicates that there's something more secular going on. It's not simply about paying people not to work anymore. It's it's about it's about changing priorities. It's about it's about people deciding that you know if they don't have to work, if they're a second income in the family, um, at some point it's not worth it. They'd rather take a step back in their standard, their so-called economic standard of living to get back a part of their uh, their life that they are missing and um, I, i'm I'm not I'm neither cheering those people nor am I denigrating them in any way I just think that it's a very important discussion that needs to be had and I'm grateful for the fact that both employees and employers are engaged in it um, and it, you know it's a scenario that's been exacerbated by um, the fact that, We have chosen to make immigration into the United States harder than it has been. Um, It's been exacerbated by the fact that roughly 2 million people retired earlier than they would have because of the coronavirus pandemic. It's exacerbated by the fact that roughly 350,000 working age Americans are now dead. That would not have been dead if not for the virus. And it's a classic supply shock to go on top of. A steadily declining workforce, in terms of sheer numbers, and you know it's that that's that's just what we're looking at. And I'm glad we're having this conversation because it's giving a chance to reopen the discussion of what we want the relationship of labor in our economy to be. Now, maybe it's going to go back to right where it was in 2019. Maybe we're going we're all going right back to offices and cubicles, and we're going back to the hours we worked and you know, pushing mental health to the side and, and maybe not changing boundaries at all. I don't, I don't think that's the case, but I acknowledge the fact that it could happen. But if it does happen, at least it's happened as a result of an intentional society-wide conversation, which means there's an implicit choice <clears throat> as opposed to millions of people feeling like that has been forced upon them. Um, I'm immensely grateful to you, the listeners. Or at least the downloaders. You know, I can't track who listens to this thing. That's the way podcasts go. But uh, you know, I do know that. At least I'm pretty sure over 30 million downloads have occurred since we launched this thing about 20 months ago. And um, that's a big number, any way you slice it. And you know, we've been consistently hitting now 40,000 downloads in the first 30 days after a new podcast is is, is released. Um, that puts us in the top one percent of at least business podcasts and maybe all podcasts altogether. And um, it's nice to get that, that feedback. It's nice to, it's nice to feel like you're having an impact. You know, the thing about podcasts is that it's one of the least engaging social media formats out there. I talk in a microphone, you may or may not listen. That's it. There's no conversation that happens except for when I have the guests on. Um, I, all I know is, is the download. So the fact that you're downloading and presumably you're not all just downloading without listening. Um, I appreciate at least your willingness to take up valuable storage space on your cell phones, your smartphones, and that you find what we do useful. And as long as you find what we do useful, I think we're inclined to keep doing it. I'd like to thank the guests who've come on and have provided just a ton of expertise. And as I've said many times in this program, um, this is a way of, of my institutionalizing mooching from guests and their particular areas of expertise. Um, You know, they come on, they're not, they're not compensated. I don't think they get a lot of referrals from the podcast. The podcast, podcast doesn't really work that way. Um, They do it because I asked them to, and they do it because, um, they feel like they have something they want to share with the world and they want to share with our listener base. And they take the time to do this. And um, I, I'm enormously grateful to our, our guests who are willing to come on and do that. I'm, I'm grateful for political stability, relatively speaking. Um, I didn't think I'd have this on a list at some point. Maybe I always should have, but you don't take, you, I guess you take things for granted until they're not there anymore um you know the 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 incidence of january 6th I, i don't know how you how you view that as anything other than an insurrection it was a minor one it was one that had no chance of of actually overthrowing the government nevertheless it was an insurrection um just the fact the fact it was ineffective doesn't mean that it wasn't wasn't that still met the definition and uh you know what, and what happened afterwards were extraordinary events. You know, our, our president, whether you voted for him or not, our president was sworn in under circumstances of having to be surrounded by twenty-five thousand national guardsmen. We did not have a peaceful transition of power. They tried to, they tried to um, dress it up as such. Uh, I guess because nobody threw a rock at the president during his oath, of, taking his oath of office, and the vice president. But we did not have a peaceful transition. There's a reason we needed those, those National Guardsmen there. And I'm thankful that, at least in the first election, since we've not had a repeat of anything like that, and, um, you know, our, our, our political environment, while still highly divided, highly charged, um, highly unpredictable, at times irrational on both the left and the right, <clears throat> um but we we are for the moment enjoying political stability and i'm i'm thankful for that because i have no interest in i have no interest in in being put in a position where there's martial law i have no interest in picking up a gun because i have to defend my family i don't own a gun i don't want to own a gun um i don't my my, my preference is to be in a scenario where i don't need to have one Um, And I think most people agree, even even those who own guns, I think, I think would agree with that. So I'm grateful for the relative political stability that we've had. And I hope that it, I hope that it continues. And and that goes also for, you know, other, other insurrections. And I I know that in other places in the country, they're still going on, Um, Portland, Oregon being one of them. Um, But, but at least here in Atlanta, um, it's, it's a fairly safe place physically. And uh, I am grateful for that. I am grateful for digital transformation. This is not a new thought. It's been said before, not by me, but by others smarter than I am. Um, you know, we, we the, the pandemic forced us to swallow 10 years of digital transformation in about 18 months. We are, are learning to adopt new technologies. We are getting over Zoom fatigue. We're starting, you know, I think most of us are starting to see Zoom calls is just simply something we do now. And I wonder if there was ever telephone fatigue, were people ever fatigued when they had to have the first phone call? I don't know. I wasn't alive back then. Sometimes it feels that way, but I wasn't alive back then. Um, And, and, you know, companies are evolving to accommodate this in the ways they feel are most appropriate to accomplishing their missions. Um, And, and, Managers and leaders like myself are learning every day on the fly how do you lead and engage teams digitally? How do you engage your audiences digitally? How do you maintain relationships <clears throat> digitally? And uh, I'm grateful that this has happened because I, I do think it was something that had to happen. It was more comfortable, more uncomfortable than we wanted to because of the suddenness of the transformation. We weren't ready for it. But I think we're going to find that we're a better society for it. Uh, I'd like to thank those that engage with me on LinkedIn, particularly with my content um, it's It's rewarding to write and to have people respond and feel like they've learned something and feel like they've been led to a thought that they hadn't thought of before that there's some intellectual value and I started a LinkedIn group recently that i'll I'll tell you about in a minute because the LinkedIn algorithm has become, I think, a form of alchemy at this point, and and uh, I, I got tired of writing things that not everybody was seeing just because it didn't get enough likes in the right time period. <clears throat> so now there's a there's a more consistent way to to engage with my content. I like writing. I like the way writing forces me to think. I like the way writing forces me to organize my thoughts. And um, I'm very thankful for the opportunity to 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 do that for you. And finally, I'd like to thank Brady Ware and Business Radio X for supporting this program. You know, Business Radio X has been a fantastic partner. There's no way we have 30 million downloads without them. I just it, it just ain't happening. And, and you know, they do a lot of work behind the scenes, particularly in helping us schedule guests and 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 get all those moving parts set and publishing this on social media and taking care of all the the nice details to make sure that our guests feel like that they're appreciated and well treated. Um and and that the show has the high production quality that it does. And so uh you know the the folks at the folks at Business Radio X, in particular John Ray, who's been my recording partner for most of these programs you know, has just done a fantastic job. And, you know, if you're thinking about doing podcasting in a serious way, you know, I, I cannot I cannot recommend them enough. Um, we are where we are because of our partnership with them. Um, and it would be very hard to convince me otherwise. Um, and, and Brady Ware deserves a lot of credit here too. Um, Brady Ware pays uh, Business Radio X to do this. John is not doing this out of the goodness of his heart. He has a good heart, but it ain't that good. Um, and it shouldn't be. <clears throat> um, but Bradyware, you know, does spend some significant money to produce this podcast. And and they don't do it because they think it's a massive business generator. It's not. Um, that's not what podcasts are for. They do it because they have a commitment to increasing body of knowledge and business to help people become better business decision makers. And and my fellow shareholders have agreed that this is a good investment, that this is a way to, to give back to the community. This is a good vehicle to carry that knowledge forward. And you know, they and and they in effect relieve me of some of my other duties as a shareholder in the firm so that I can invest the time and energy to do this and to do it at least well enough so that you're kind to listen to it. So to my partners at Bradyware, uh, I'm immensely grateful that you give me this platform uh, to to do this show. So that's going to wrap it up for today's program. Starting next week, we'll we'll go back to the normal format. I should know which one that is, what episode it is, but I don't. But it'll be awesome like all the other ones. So just, you know, tune in and and keep tuning in so that when you're faced with your next business decision, you have clear vision when making it. And again, if you like these podcasts, please leave a review. The rev- your reviews really help us because they help people find us. That helps, um, that helps us help them. We can't help them if they don't listen to us. They don't listen to us. They don't know we're out there. And if you'd like to engage with me on social media, you know, I publish a chart of the day on LinkedIn, and I'm also at Unblakeable on Facebook, Twitter, Clubhouse, and Instagram. And also check out my new LinkedIn group called A Group That Doesn't Suck. And I called it that because most LinkedIn groups do suck. Um, and this one sucks a little bit less because we have more control over it. And uh, it's you know I moderate it. I make sure there's more content in there every day. I archive some of my old content because otherwise it disappears. And again, if LinkedIn didn't see fit to show it to you on a given day, it goes away. But there was some stuff that people thought was pretty cool. And it's also a place where other people are expressing their ideas and starting conversations, which uh, I just really dig because that's that's how I learn. It's not about it's not a vehicle for Mike Blake to go out there and try to show off how smart he is. That would be a fool's errand. Um, but it is a vehicle for other people to to share, I think, smart things and engage with smart ideas. And and that I think is for me is the primary attraction. Of any any social media asset. So with that, I'm going to wish you all a happy Thanksgiving in 2022, whether you celebrate it or not. And this is Mike Blake. Our sponsor is Brady Ware and Company. And this has been, once again, the Decision Vision Podcast.